You are now listening to the Purpose Edits Podcast. You've got to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to have the ability to self-assess, and not everybody has the ability to self-assess. You don't necessarily have to like sweets and successful in school. You just have to know how to play the game that's necessary and get through it. Welcome to the Perfect Setters Podcast. This is a short yet powerful conversation designed to help you do three things that can ultimately change the trajectory of your life. One, discover your purpose. Two, walk in your purpose. And three, ultimately fulfill your purpose. I am your host, Coach Vic, and I'm joined as always by my lifelong friend, my brother, the educator, Dr. Shane Calhoun. Yo, what up, Purpose Addicts? This is Doc. Quick little intro before we get into part two of our conversation with Joe, Joe DeAndre, as we affectionately call him, Police Fragility Part Two. Um, hope everybody's doing well in the world. Um, we're getting back in the rhythm of things and our podcasts. We're going to get back to striving to put it out weekly and we're going to drop it every Wednesday. That's the goal. Um, with us having a new TV show and all the other projects that we're working with. The TV show, the TV show is with KBCN TV, KBCN Media. Um, with us having these projects rolling on, it's been a little bit difficult staying consistent, but that's the name of the game. You figure it out, you lock into the goal, and you make it happen. Um, hope everyone's doing well. I'm super excited about the next coming weeks and all the content that we have to share with you. Um, there's just been a lot going on behind the scenes that we have not been able to talk about, um, both in our personal lives and just in um, the world of podcasting in general. Um, and next couple of weeks, we're going to be rolling it out. Before we get into the episode, I'm going to talk about what blew my mind this week and a couple of things blew my mind and um, they kind of tie together. The first thing that hit me this week like a ton of bricks is that happiness is a choice happiness is a choice however um there are extenuating circumstances um this is a day after the elementary school shooting in texas and i have found myself very down for most of the day and although the goal is to be positive and chipper it's been really hard to not reflect or not be in a reflective mindset today. Um, our hearts and condolences goes out to those families who've lost a child. I cannot imagine. I have a five-year-old son. I cannot imagine the pain um, that you guys are enduring right now. Um, so our player, our prayers and our blessings with you. In addition to that, um, a very close friend of both Vic and I um, passed away this week, um, still trying to find words uh, to, you know, still trying to find words to discuss my feelings, but it's pretty tough. Um, Crystal and us, we went to high school together. Um, Crystal and I also went to college together. We we literally drove to our uh, band auditions. I literally drove us to our band auditions for college. Um, and that's a story within of itself. Um, she was a beautiful soul, beautiful person, um, on the inside and out. And, um, we're just praying for her family. Um, I was also very close with her sister, um, for a period of time. So I just hope, um, just sending love and light to the Samuels family 
and um, she has a young son. So we pray and we're just hoping that he, you know, endures and pushes through. He they come from a good family, but um, so they should be fine. Anyway, I've rambled. Happiness is a choice. Oh, police fragility. Super interesting that this is also coming around around the time when they have signed our president joe biden has signed made an executive order to push through the george floyd police reform bill very interesting and it's very interesting times that we live in anyway hope you enjoy the episode continue to be great striving for everything you want and um there's just some goals that require everything so be willing to give everything for your purpose and your goals all right Part two on the way. So what are the changes? Um, what, what are, what are, what are the changes from your perspective that are, are needed? Like what would it's, you like hey, to see happen in a perfect ideal world? I'm really curious. Cause in your book, you have a chapter called what can be done. And that's just a series of of solutions and changes so i'm really curious to, to dive into this more it sounds good to me so the the first and most important thing i think is as we had mentioned was empathy because if we could change the way somebody thinks or what they actually know we change the way they think right and if we change the way somebody thinks we can change the way that they speak if mm. we change the way they speak we can change the way they act Excellent. it's a domino effect so once they understand that we can start minimizing half the issues that we're seeing in today's uh, issues that we're seeing with law enforcement, okay? Now, Can I chime in on that real quick? That works absolutely. two ways. Because until we not see the police as the enemy, there's no way they can break a barrier. And I'm not going to lie, I don't like see police coming. And I am a law-abiding citizen. The only thing I do wrong is I don't like wearing my seatbelt. And it's just because most of the times I forget to put it on, <laughs> you know, but I do not feel when I see <clears throat> a police officer in the vicinity, there is an extra heightened level of anxiety and um, been trying to figure it out. It could have been because of me and Vic's experience. It could be because of perception, but that I think it's important if we're all being human here, that that's acknowledged on both sides that like we have to we have to change the way we view you guys as as human beings and 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 the profession in and of itself right yeah. and i think it takes both sides of the fence to do that you know yeah, i think it the does. perception of reality it does cuz i mean the human part of it is at the end of the day we all want to go home police Absolutely. officers want to go home they protect and serve and they want to go home to their families their loved ones to their lives and every incident that we've seen on social media, on the news out in the world. I believe that each one of those individuals did want to go home separately. Jointly, they weren't able to come to a, a compromise to say in this situation, I need to, I need to make a different decision. I hate the whole term. If he just complied, if he just complied, because that puts the responsibility only on one side. There's another person there. There's the police officer, and they have a responsibility in the situation. I say all of that to say this. We focus a lot of times on one side. What is it like being a police officer 
and really dealing with this, this tension, this gap that exists, you know, in the world right now between people of color and law enforcement. That's what a great is it question. Like? I think that what we're seeing, what we're seeing is, is two types of mindsets. We have the mindset who sees the problem for what it is and wants to eradicate it and, and change the system. And then we have those who don't believe there is an issue. You know, they've been mm. doing it for a long time. And, or even some of the young ones, they, they don't see it. You know, they don't understand it. And I think us as, as law enforcement, it's our responsibility to ensure that they all see it the way it should be. And that's, you know, where, you know, it's so important that we implement these uh, implicit bias trainings mandatory in our agencies. You know, uh, my current agency does it and it should be followed suit. People should be doing it across the country. The question is, do you believe there's enough use in the in the force? 100 percent. I do. You say that there's with great confidence. There, there's always enough to make a change. And I think I do think that we have enough to make a change. How much is enough? The majority. I think the majority of law enforcement want to see the change. The majority of law enforcement want to make a difference. That's what they signed up for. It's what they took the oath for. It's a very, very small few that, you know, gets themselves on the camera that gets across the country that, you know, you, we're not seeing the millions of interactions between law enforcement officers in the communities. We're not seeing the smile exchanges that True. occur every minute of every day in this country with law enforcement True. officers. We were only seeing the negative. But there's the amount of negative that we're seeing is too much. And it's not insane insinuating there's too much attention from the media on it. It's too many type of events that are occurring that should not be occurring to begin with. Events that are also similar. They are also not isolated to a particular area, right? So it seems rampant. It seems like it's systemic, right? To to the outsiders, right? So it's kind of hard to believe that the majority wants change because yes, the negative is always going to get broadcast in all our lives. As we pursue purpose, you always see the negative, but if you look for dirt, you'll find dirt. You'll find dirt. At, yeah. At the same focus on the dirt. Yeah. 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 That's all you'll see. Right. You'll see that speck of dirt. Right. But what you also don't see is an overwhelming response for a call to change from law enforcement. At some point, where do you see the the majority, the brave ones like you, who are calling for this change? You you just don't see it. At least, at least I don't. Well, can I can I chime in and I, you can answer, Joe? You're the police officer, so you understand. But I, I think some of it is because they're on the defense. Like I just think of like this past year. Um, Although I uh, I personally understood what the conversation was, the defund the police phrase, I understood. For me, it was more about re- reallocating funds. But, you know, if, you, if you're a teacher and you hear defund the teachers, you're like, what, what the hell going on? So, um, you know, so I'm just speaking, you know, it, it's bad messaging. Um, right. it, it's poor communication. Um. Does a change need to be done? Absolutely. Like there, there's no question about it, but it, it's about, you know, we always say it's not necessarily what you say it's how you say it. Right. You know, what and I, mean? I agree with you hundred percent with that. 
So yeah. how did you react to the phrase defund the police? Interesting. I thought, it was, I thought it was horrible. Horrendous. <laughs> and, 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 that, and that, but yo, thinking of wildness though, that's coming from a person that wrote a book called Police Fragility. Right. Like he's not going to jump out that window. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you thought it was horrendous. I'd, I'd love to hear your, your perspective, I guess. Because there's, there's so many, there's so much good that can be done. Now there is, there is reorganization or, 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 you know, reallocating funds to certain areas of the agency that can do good or focus on other things like training or other uh, resources for accountability and stuff that we could do instead of taking the funds away completely. When you take the funds away completely, now you're jeopardizing the safety of the members of the community. And that's, that's not the answer. And, and let's be real. Uh, reorganizing funds, reallocate funds. That's kind of a mouthful to say in a chant. It's not as catchy. It's not as sticky, but defund the police is a headline. Yeah. yeah, But I mean, it's, 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 do we want results or do we want to look cute? But that's just it. The people who created that, the people who are pushing various agendas, even in our own lives, do you want results or do you want to look cute? Yeah. Take it back to purpose. And this is how change happens. It's when people sit and they talk and they hang. What I keep saying, I know I probably said a few times already, but I'm going to say it anyway. The the uncomfortable conversations that people are afraid to have, you need to have them. It's so important that you step out of your comfort zone and understand how somebody else feels. Get their perception. Get get, get what they're seeing because the odds are you're not seeing what they're seeing. Okay. On 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 the um. Try not to give anything in the way. Be uncomfortable conversations. What is one that jumps out and put in it specifically? Because there could be somebody listening that's like, well, what uncom- uncomfortable conversations are you talking about? Like, give us an example. Okay, I, got, I, got, I actually got a perfect example for you. Okay. So I, I gave my book to about 100 people prior to it publishing uh, a couple of weeks ago. And a female in my agency who I've known literally for 14 years, I've known this, this young lady. Uh, she came to me and we've had multiple conversations over the years, as you can imagine. She was close enough that I gave her this book for her to review for me. She came back to me and she, she gave me three instances of interactions that her family had been involved with, with law enforcement. And she uh, lived in New York at the time. And she told me about her, her son, uh, who's a, a black male was being harassed by law enforcement at a bus stop. And she remembers her father going through something very similar now, now, here's a woman I've known for 14 years, and she opened up to me and told me a conversation that without this book, without her reading it and understanding and seeing that this is important that we talk about these things, she never she never told me about it. She never gave me her perception of, of our, our profession. You know, she is a civilian who works in my agency. She's not a, a sworn member of the agency. Mm. But those are the conversations that people need to have with each other because when you start listening to people and hearing the stories of what happened before us, before we took our oaths, you know, we, we have to own those mistakes. You know, it's the same instances. If that was our family, we have to understand it, that these things, these, you know, people, our people did wrong and law enforcement. They, we have people who did wrong and we have mm-hmm. to, we have to, you know, sympathize for that and move forward and just acting like, Oh, it wasn't me and keeping it moving is not the answer because the we answer. are held accountable for that. Keeping down that that theme of shared experiences, have you ever had a negative experience with law enforcement as a civilian? No, I have not. Okay. Okay. 
Now, I've been stopped by law enforcement when I was younger um, driving, but I didn't, I didn't get a citation or nothing like that. I wanted to ask that question because you talk about the elephant in the room and the uncomfortable conversations. In, in circles, people of color, I, I've had the conversation, oh, had the, had the person been Black, it would have been different. They don't get those types of experiences. They don't have those types of situations the same way we do. Not to say that you not having a negative experience is an example of that, but we're trying to figure out how to balance all of this, these different experiences. And I think the point that I want to make is that what you said, shared experiences, shared experiences is how we learn and it's how we're going to be able to move forward. So is your agency or you uh, doing anything specific to create more peer-to-peer learning? Well, my agency has, uh, before I even thought about writing the book, about a, about, say about a year and a half, two years ago, they implemented the implicit bias training, which continues to this day. We talk about it when we hire new officers, when we, were pro- when we actually promote new, when we promote new sergeants or anything above that. We, we meet and we talk about these things during like an FTO type uh, training system or like a, just like a, like when you're promoted, we go through like a two week training and that's part of that. You know, we, it's so important that we discuss it and it, it does happen in our agency. You know, and actually yeah. it's been to the point now where, our members of my own agency will talk about it behind closed doors. Like, well, two yeah. officers will be together and all of a sudden the conversation comes up and that's something that is unheard of. That's something that didn't happen 15 years ago, but it's happening today and it happens in my agency, which tells me it can happen across the country if we, if we did it right. That's the thing about change. A lot of times it's happening behind the scenes. You don't always see it happening. And this is where the phrase comes in of trust the process. It's happening. It's not as rampant, but it is happening. And I do believe that change is happening with as much conversation that is existing out in the world on on both sides. I really do think it's happening. The question is, do we have the patience to wait for it to come to fruition? That's what, you know, I'm really curious to see. I I agree with you 100%. It's going to be difficult to, to measure that. You know, I mean... You kind of see, I think people are tired of the, the circle. It just keeps going. You know, as we know in Michigan, it just happened the other day. It sparked another, it, it, everyone looks at it, you know, and I'm talking both sides of the fence. Here's another one. It's kind of the mindset yeah. everybody says, here it goes again. And that, that's law enforcement side and the civilian side. So what, what does that tell you? That law enforcement is fed up with it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Joe. Let's change directions a little bit, get to know you a bit more. You know, we've learned a little bit about your father, your hero. Uh, we've heard a little bit about your mother uh, in terms of how they contributed to your career. In learning more about you, we tend to ask all our guests this question. Who are three people that you listen to, that you take advice from, and why? Well, the first one's definitely my wife. <laughs> Uh, her name is Yanelli Schaefer. Uh, she, uh, she came here from Cuba. So uh, she had a very, very, very rough, simple childhood in Cuba. You know, and, and she left there when she was young and came here to the United States and, and made a great life for her, you know, for her family has and, and she has as well. Just very, very hardworking people. 
And um, so I pretty much listened to her. Not that I had that much of a choice, but I listened to her pretty much a lot. So, um, you know, I listened to her quite a bit. My, uh, like my, I listened to my father, of course, you know, we talked about him. And uh, uh, Chief Delman Noel Pratt is someone else that I listened to, uh, getting advice from, and she's always looking out for the best interests of the community. So it, just a great mentor. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So in thinking about where you go next in your career, what are your goals? Where are you thinking? What you got your eye on? Honestly, I want to continue to promote change, you know, and, and whatever avenue that takes. I got a good friend of mine named Daniel Levine. Uh, we're getting together and writing another book called Police Nobility, and it's basically a blueprint of how an agency should be ran. And I think, you know, we're going to take a lot of what our current agency is doing and just putting it, putting it down and hoping that it takes fire and, and people see that this could work, you know, and that, that this mindset can, can promote change. You know, and it's like my current agency, I, I firmly believe if it isn't now, it will be the flagship police department in South Florida. And I think that as we move forward, we'll start seeing other agencies alike, same size, same mindset, change the perception they have, have the community change the perception on not just them, but law enforcement alike. And like you said, it could just be a slow change, but, you know, it is moving forward. It is changing. When did it hit you that? When did it hit you that, and pardon the expression, that something was wrong or that something needed a change? Like, did you know it from the beginning entering the profession and was like, I'm getting in because I'm, I'm seeing this? Or was there an instance where you was like, hey, something's not right here? When, what, what, was that, what did that look like? That looks like a 14-year-old kid, an innocent 14-year-old kid who grew up with a very simple mindset, open mindset and then being exposed to older officers as an explorer and listening to their their mindsets and it just was completely different different than what i expected differently different than what i hoped and that's when i knew there was an issue and mm, knew that at 14 change was was bound to happen and and i knew that i wanted to be part of that change when it did so nobody said all right we're on the way to pick up this child of god it was something else yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Definitely, 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 definitely different. You know, it's just wow. It was it was different, you know, and and uh, it's just not it's not like that anymore, you know. And unfortunately, until people who are serving today understand that that it did exist and it existed not very long ago, that you know we can we can get through that. We just have to acknowledge it. We have to be empathetic towards it. We have to hold each other accountable, which is absolutely huge. And just be transparent in all of our actions that we're doing. You know, we, we work on the wing of, of the city, you know, or the state, whatever organization you belong to, you know. Mm. You said that it's not like that anymore. When did you begin to see a shift? I would say I, I saw the shift occurring, honestly, probably 2008, 2009. Really? Okay. The shift started changing. The mindset okay. started changing, different training systems started being implemented. So that would be right when Obama was getting in the office. And I'm not drawing a correlation, but I'm just thinking, you know, Trayvon Martin was 
four years later than that. So right. there was um, <clears throat> awareness that at least this was a necessity prior to that incident. Because um, I was always, I, I mean, even leading up to the Trayvon Martin, and I can tell you exactly when I realized something was wrong, even up into the Trayvon Martin, Martin situation, I was always one of those, well, he should have just complied. You know, just stay out the way. They won't bother you. And that's big. That's even after our experience. Yeah. Um, I was kind of, um, you know, there is no black or white. Just do right and you'll see it. But then when I moved out here to Alabama, I kind of saw a difference that I felt. And for me, I the conversation shifted that I'm like, hey, something's not right here, right around the verdict for Trayvon Martin. And I was like, yeah, I was wrong. And and, and something's amiss here. Um, and I'm just kind of, you know, been in that unfortunate, disappointed, hurt lane ever since. You know what I mean? Right, of course. Yeah. Joe, you know, in thinking about this conversation, I would love to know, especially since you mentioned your dad, your hero is also uh, sworn to protect protect and serve, how has he responded to your book and the subject in which you're, you're talking about? He's very supportive of the book itself and the ideologies behind the book. And the reason I wrote the book has a lot to do with the way I was brought up and some of the things he instilled in me with, for my morals and values. So a lot of it, he's very supportive of it. So I'm blessed in that aspect that he's, he's supportive of it. There's no other way of saying it besides that has he been on the front line for change in the department since he's been in it as well um i don't believe so i don't think he ever had the opportunity to be in a position uh, like i am to do that you know he he spent most of his career as a a police officer and as a detective um, in a very busy agency so he was pretty much uh, down that path you know i I followed him My, my mom it was one of the reasons that I became a leader. You know, everything she did in her life, she's always been to go above and beyond and take control and, and, and do this and do that for whatever whatever organization, whether it was one of our sports teams or whatever it was, she always spearheaded everything. And I kind of got that from her. So putting that both together, his passion for law enforcement and the way that he viewed everything and my mom's leadership capabilities, I just put it together and try to make the best out of it and yeah. do as much good as I can. Yeah, as we all are, man. We all are uh, trying to do that. Joe, man, we we appreciate your transparency. We appreciate your honesty in sharing, you know, with us and with our audience, you know, the, the change that you're trying to impart, not just within the agency, within the department, but within society as a whole. We we really appreciate you doing that. Um, we can't thank you enough. Truly, we're, we're humble. And I'm... I'm- I can't be more thankful that you have me on here today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. No yeah, it's our pleasure. These, these are, as you said, these conversations are necessary. Like, um, yeah, these conversations are very necessary. So, yeah, it's, it was it was much of a pleasure for us as well. Do our audience a favor. Tell them how can they find the book. Well, uh, Police Fragility is available at barnesandnoble.com. Uh, you can get it on paperback or on your note. And uh, if it's something 
that may not you feel may not have a complete impact with you. It may be a great gift to give somebody you know that's in law enforcement and uh, or aspiring to become in law enforcement. That would be great. So just or if you just want to give to somebody who has a perception on law enforcement that you want them to see a change, it's a good idea for them to take a read of the book. Yeah. Are you anticipating or have you seen or felt any um, ill will pushback or different treatment since the release of the book? No, actually, quite the contrary. I've received actually inspirational, inspiring things people have told me. Oh, you've inspired me to do this or inspired me to do that. Excellent. And very, very supportive of me. I mean, even if you look on barnesandnoble.com for the book itself, it's got, last I checked, you know, check it all the time now. I have 32 reviews, and all of them uh, are all in favor of it. And the majority of them on there are law enforcement officers. Wow. You know, there's not, I don't have any negative ones yet, but we'll see what happens. They soon come. They soon <laughs> come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's just like, man, you know, sometimes somebody has to be the first one to inspire a group of people to change the world. So, Absolutely. We appreciate you, Joe. Uh, this is a great segue into footwork segment that we have on this show. We talk about what's going on. Thanks for sharing where to find the book. Shane, footwork, what you got going on, man? Um, same as the last couple of weeks, Breaking Nation. Um, if you got tunes, upload them. We want to hear them. We want to review them. Also, um, we offer internships. So if you are interested in the profession, on, and wanting to break into the music industry. Um, we have a self-paced um, internship where we're just finishing up our first cohort and uh, we're accepting applications for our second. Um, don't forget to check us out on KBCN TV for the visual of the podcast where you can catch us every Monday live at eight if you want to see our beautiful faces. If you prefer listening to us in the car, we are still available on all your local, uh, not even local, all your normal service Platforms. providers, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean. Um, there's a list of them. So um, just check it out. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and the police officer. They can listen to it in the car and uh, continue <laughs> to just support. Um, we're, we're getting back in, in, in the groove of things where we're going to get back to being weekly. So um, we want to, you know, reach as many people as possible. For sure. Uh, I want to point our audience to Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day weekend in Orlando. PodFest is going on. If you're a podcaster, an aspiring podcaster, maybe you're a business that is looking to do a sponsorship and you just need the right show, there's a bunch of us going to Orlando, Florida for PodFest. Meet us down there. It is going to be a great time. I can't wait. PodFest Memorial Day weekend. Cool. Hey, you did a speech this weekend. <laughs> I called it a speech. You did a presentation this weekend. You facilitated some stuff. Tell me about it. I did, man. I had a keynote for Project Summit Business World Analysts. It's a conference that uh, is put on by a great group of people, McGregor Communications, great company out of Canada. I was the closing keynote for day one, inspiring uh, business analysts and people in the tech space to change the world. So similar path to our guest, Joe, I was trying to start a movement. Uh, in that, I also taught a workshop uh, 
co-facilitated, as a matter of fact, with a great facilitator. Her name is Shauna K. Shauna Kabatsnik. Uh, we have a workshop that we are doing on diversity, equity, and inclusion called The Art of Connecting Cross-Culturally. It's not black and white. So if you are an organization looking to teach your team about diversity, equity, and inclusion and connecting cross-culturally with people who don't look like you, reach out to us. Have us come on. We definitely can help your organization grow. So, yeah, man, I got a lot of stuff going on and there's some more stuff going to be coming out soon. I can't wait to talk about it on the show. Let's do this. Let's close out like we always do. If you have been rocking with us, you know we always bring you a quote that hopefully inspires you to go out and live life on purpose. This quote today aligns with the path that Joe has set out on. The quote says, courage doesn't mean you don't get afraid. Courage means you don't let fear stop you. Courage doesn't mean you don't get afraid. What courage is, is you don't let fear stop you. And so right now, what we want to encourage you to do is be brave in your own life, in your family's life, in your community, in your organization. We want you to be brave to go out and be the change that you want to see. As always, Purpose Addicts, if you haven't, like, subscribe, share the show. As Shane said, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. Catch us on KBCN and TV. And don't hey, forget to tell the police officer. I forgot something, bro. What's up? And, I, and I've been real quiet. I haven't uh, celebrated. Your boy got selected to be the all-star coach for the South team for the state. Uh, ain't, ain't that something? <laughs> <laughs> ain't that something? Hey. They think you can coach. They ain't that something? Yeah. The band director done got y'all. Ain't that something? <laughs> and, I, and I say that because it's so funny. It's funny to me. Like, it was... um. I wasn't expecting it. Um, didn't apply for it. Didn't make a call for it. Um, and I was really hoping that my junior, because they 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 play the game with the juniors, so they picked the top. So I was really hoping my guy Jasavian Moore got on, and you know I got my letter about the coaching first before I got his, and I was like, "Yo, fam, that's great. Thanks. What about him?" So when once I got his letter. It was it was a little bit easy, but it's just so funny. Like it's just, I tell you guys, when you when you focus on your craft, like I put on Facebook earlier this week, I said I don't politic, I don't tap dance, I just focus on building genuine relationships, treating people kindly, and working my my ass off. Everything falls in line. So this is probably the one and only time that you'll see me celebrate. Oh, 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 all right, enough. Back to work. But back to work. Just, yo, your dreams, man, they're possible. Or even like sometimes when you get stuff that's better than your dreams, it's out there. So just, yeah. just do the work. Change is possible. Joe, we appreciate you for rocking with us, man. It was great getting to know you, getting to meet My you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Go get Joe's book, Police Fragility. It is out and available. Let's blow it up. Share it with a friend. Purpose Addicts, live life on purpose. We out. And I think a lot of times everybody's not going to understand your vision, your walk, your purpose, your desires, your dreams, your goals. And they don't have to because I'm going to tell you a secret. Everybody ready? It's yours. It don't belong to them. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't they teeth to brush. Ain't they armpits to put deodorant on. It's yours. This message is for anyone who is not answering the calling on their life. 
I want you to take note of something. That one thing, that one talent, that one gift you have, that idea that could give birth to a solution that possibly brings harmony to the world will never get the chance to breathe life if you continue to let fear kidnap you from your future. That's right, I said, if you continue to let fear kidnap you from your future. Too many times we settle for good things when we can have God things. And purpose is a God-given gift. Not everybody fulfills their purpose. Not everybody discovers it. Not everybody walks in it. But if you're willing to give up the good things to get to the God things, well, baby, I promise you purpose, that's for you. Failure is a part of success. I heard that somewhere. I didn't mean that. Failure is a part of success. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. You could try 10 times, 